I love that song. Hello and welcome to the Sustainable Living Show on WMNF Tampa 88.5, where every Monday at 11 we bring you a conversation with local experts on sustainable issues. Today we are going to be talking about soil and all things garden related. Yay! Your hosts today are myself, Kenny Coogan, and Annie Ellis. Hey, Kenny. How you doing? Great. And we're so excited to have Mr. Bill Grace back from his extended vacation and we're excited to have the doll miss irene answering your calls <laughs> somebody called in on the previous <laughs> show and and said she was a doll and she is and we agree she is so lovely so today uh it's kind of a q a from the audience you the listener so we encourage you to give us a call if you want to talk about gardening soil all things sustainable but first we have a special caller amanda streets calling special in special caller and uh amanda amanda is part Hello. owner of hey. the living roots eco design and plant nursery Hello. Hello, Amanda. Hi, how are you? We are doing great. And we hear that you have a grand opening because you are at a new location. I'm so excited for you. So so please tell us first about your nursery and then uh, about your event. So Living Roots Eco Design specializes in native plants, Florida native, Florida friendly plants, and then locally grown um, fruits, veggies, and herbs. Um, We grow as many plants as we can ourselves using um, organic growing practices um, as often as possible. And we get others as often as possible from other local growers. Um, We have a store, a garden shop in St. Pete, and we also offer full landscaping services from landscape consultations and coaching to DIY to designs, full installations, and maintenance, like garden maintenance, not lawns. Um, we don't mow lawns very often. Um, <laughs> That's a hard <laughs> thing to find somebody that can do that, too. Yes, yes, we've heard, but we really love it. Yes. Um, we go it, out and we weed and prune and spruce up. Tell us about it. your grand opening. So we moved We oh, we um, moved last week, and um, we moved from our previous location on 38th Avenue into a new space, also in St. Pete. And to celebrate moving into this gigantic new store, we're having a grand opening party. Um, It is next Saturday, the 9th of September from 11 to 1. We're going to have a number of different people joining us. Um, Lake of Worms with her worm farms and worm castings. Reborn Wild with her beautiful indigo. Um, Penny with carnivorous plants. Oh, my goodness. Um, we're going to have a local potter who's making pottery, including a few beautiful handmade um, flower pots. Fruit Tropics Nursery to talk all about fruit tree health and pruning. And I think um, we'll have a, we'll have a couple more that haven't confirmed quite yet. And I do believe we just lined up a food truck. Oh, that's fantastic! Yeah, so, uh, so you have a lot really of good excited. people coming on your uh, coming on there. I and recognize a lot of names. <laughs> All right. So, Amanda, can you give us the address yes. and the time and the date of the event? It is Saturday, September 9th. The party is from 11 to 1, although we are open from 9 to 3. The address, the new address is 3645 45th Avenue North, 
in St. Petersburg. I, I went online and looked uh, your space up. and Well, you had been posting it, but I went on to check it out in Google Maps. And, uh, it, y'all, it's a beautiful, bright green uh, building. It's like fresh spring green building with their big round sign right in the front. It's You just can't miss it. It's really pretty. I like it a lot. I also wanted to say something, too, because there's a buzzword that I think that people would relate to is butterfly plants. And so they... A lot of people don't understand that a lot of the natives and a lot of those plants that you were talking about are the ones that you would want to plant for your butterfly garden and not those, uh, the other types that uh, the uh, tropical milkweeds that people are planting. So you have the alternatives. We do. We do have um, Florida native plants, which are, you know, including milkweed, um, which I hope we'll get in for the for the event, we're um, restocking all of our wildflowers yeah. and Florida natives and veggies and stuff this week um, because we did sell a lot in anticipation of moving it one by one. And it's time for cut veggies pretty yes. quick. Oh, it is. Yeah, the, I felt the chill in the air. <laughs> Only a Floridian would say that. <laughs> I, I felt it too, and I'm excited to be doing my morning bike rides again now that the humidity has gone down. That's nice. So thank you so much, Amanda, for giving us a call, and I look forward to seeing you on Saturday. Yay! Thank you. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. So, Annie, this past Saturday I went to Bach Tower, and I did a presentation, sold Uh, out. That was, I know, it was very exciting. He was sold out way before the event. In the presentation, I'll actually be at the uh, Tampa Audubon Society this Thursday. Where's that? It's um, at the Garden on Sure, it's at the garden building. Oh, the garden club. Yeah, it's at the oh, garden okay. club, right across the street from the uh, those. Looks like the the sculpture that looks like a uh, slinky. Sure. So listeners, you can just go to Tampa Audubon Society and learn more. But in my presentation, I talk about lots of mostly women who've been able to establish like environments and parks. And they had a different viewpoint than the businessmen of like 1850 and 1900 because those people said, hey, we're just going to plant sugarcane and we're going to grow cotton because that's what we did in England. And then these women were saying like, oh, well, we have plants and animals found nowhere else in the world. So in my presentation, I have a quote from Aldo Leopold and it's something like, this is from the 50s, 1950s, and it says something like, well, there's some people who can live with out nature and then some who require nature. And what he was kind of was saying is like, hey, there's some people who love the outdoors and some people who can take it or leave it. People can just be, you know, a marketing advertisement, stay in a building all day. But I interpret it today as we actually all need wild places and wild things. Right. Even if you're a business person, even if you're working in an office, we all benefit from that. Well, and the other thing, just to add on that, is that we need to rewild areas that have become so pasteurized uh, that it's not really bringing in the things that we need to have here all the time. And you were going to continue? So I wanted to share like the reason why I do the radio show. And uh, two days ago marked the 109th anniversary of the last passenger pigeon. So the passenger pigeon died, and there used to be literally like billions of them. And I say liked, but there's actually literally billions. And I found this quote from also Aldo Leopold, which is a famous uh, conservationist from out west. And he is quoted as saying, "There there will always be pigeons in books and in museums, but these are effigies and images dead to all the hardships and all... And to all the delights, book pigeons cannot dive out of a cloud to make 
the deer run for cover or clap their wings in thunderous applause of mass-laden woods. Book pigeons cannot uh, breakfast on new mon wheat in Minnesota and dine on blueberries in Canada. And it's the just, passenger pigeons could? Yeah, so th- because there's billions of them, they would cause uh, hoofstock oh, to move. so they would be a, and a they would havoc like, in yeah, the area. Well, yeah. not havoc because they're well, native. wheat. Yeah. Yeah, but if it's wheat, that's where the farmers would get involved, right? Yeah, so that's why a lot of people were butchering them. So, like, that's why I want to do the radio show because we're about sustainable living. And you always mention every organism has its role in the ecosystem. And now, 109 years later, we're we're thinking, you know, oh, well, that pigeon, it would eat the wheat, but it would spread seeds and berries and it would provide food for other animals and things like that. And we're all connected. And today... We can talk about anything, listeners, you guys can call in, but Annie and I really want to talk about like (laughs) anything sustainable related, but we're really talking about like gardening and soil and how we can improve the environment through our actions. And that keeps like what you were saying about keeps that circle going, because once you pull out one part of that, you have, it's, you know, like that phrase, you put a, a monkey wrench into the machine. And so it, it is starting you don't notice it but it starts to fail uh, yesterday i was online with somebody and kept they kept saying it was okay to put soil and mulch and stuff over uh, existing tree roots that were there and i know that that's just not true uh, so but there's nothing i could do to say to convince this person you know what i mean but it was uh because what the thing is people that those top uh roots on those big trees are breather roots and so if you cover them up with soil like i've seen a lot of people they'll build a flower bed they'll lift it up add soil what you're doing is you're smothering that tree now it's a tree so it takes a long time to kill it like that but and you may not notice it because you aren't tuned in to noticing the little differences that come along. Uh, but it will uh, make it unhealthy at the very least to begin with before it dies. Uh, and then it's susceptible to other things because anything that's unhealthy is not able to sustain to sustain itself it it will it can't push off uh, attacks from other things it can't push off ill you know pests uh uh uh, what's the word I'm trying to find? Well, pest uh, pressure. And so, you know, we, that's why we, as any person that out there that's doing anything with landscape, gardening, tree trimming, any of this stuff, if we do it correctly, we're helping. But if we do it incorrectly, we are absolutely the opposite of, you know. So, yeah. So today we're going to be talking about gardening and soil and how we can improve the planet if you want to be part of the conversation, give us a call at 813-239-9663, or you can send us an email at dj at wmnf.org, and we will read it on air. And uh, Amanda Streets called in earlier about her event, and I mentioned my Tampa Audubon Society event, and those events can be found on our Facebook page, Sustainable Living WMNF, but because we knew this was going to be an open Q&A, we invited our many, many dozens of followers on our social media we we pose the question what do you guys want to talk about soil and gardening so let's read a couple of those and we can address them with the first couple how how about i read it and you can answer in the beginning you mean about the name of the person well yeah so we have uh yvonne uh deming and she wrote in her uh recipe for homemade soil mix ace has a top soil 
quote, topsoil that is labeled rakings off the forest floor, but looks like pine uh, leaves and no, sand. No, pine vines. Oh, pine vines and sand. Uh-huh. I add mushroom compost, core, perlite, bone meal, and Blood meal. Bone meal and blood meal. Yeah. Time-release fertilizer, depending on what it is. Yes. All right. So uh, what's interesting, we did the, we kind of did a similar show a couple months ago, and we learned that... It's so different than yeah, what we're doing today. It's yeah, interesting. But so topsoil, when yeah. I was researching this, yes. topsoil, there actually isn't like a legal definition of topsoil. Oh, there isn't. So it's like not the top top. It's like the top 12 inches right. they can just harvest. So it could be... Like in a forest, it could be in a field, it could just be... 12 inches, there's a whole bunch of different layers in that. Yeah, so that uh, could be, uh, you could get down to the sand in that part, you know. So what do you think about her homemade uh, soil well, mix? Well, I know her, and I know that she's an excellent gardener. And she is wonderful because she uses all the Latin names, which I just love, because <laughs> then you don't get confused with all the... Um, the common names could be covering 10 different plants, exactly. you know what I mean? And so it's very confusing to people. So, uh, yeah, I, I think this is great. Now, I use all these things... Uh, Myself, too, except I don't use the ACE topsoil because I, I create so much soil on my own from uh, compost. You know, I, I uh, undid a, uh, a big cattle container, you know, one of those big giant cattle watering uh, metal bins. And I had put in there uh, Newport Ritchie compost all the way up, which is a lot, right? And I was uh, undoing it because of my move and stuff. And I was taking that, uh, that container with me. And I thought, oh, we'll just take out that compost and we'll put it under the banana trees. It was soil, y'all. And within one year, the whole thing had turned to soil. One year only in that container, all that compost turned to soil. And the compost is basically just chipped up uh, yard waste that they do. And they do let it sit for a minute, but it, it really looks like mulch, quite honestly. So I was very surprised it happened that quickly. So Annie, we have a color, but first let's just read a quick a note from uh, Craig Hugel, who, oh, yeah. who hosts the show on WNF, but he's also the director of the University of South Florida's Botanical Gardens. And he is doing a bang-up job of it. There. And he would like to remind listeners the importance between soil and dirt. Right. He, and he says, soil is not dirt and that a healthy soil is alive. Potting soil is dead sterilized. Yeah, they, they do sterilize that because when a lot of the things that you get in bags, they have to sterilize it for it to not turn into something mushy, uh, you know, in transport. So they cook it out so there's no living uh, microbes in there, which is what the whole thing is about living soil. And that's what you want are lots of microbes and mycelums and so on like that. And the other reason is that there's lots of state laws that prevent... Uh, like transferring the, the transfer it. of like nematodes I'm and sure. bad things yeah. in the soil. So that's right. why they also right. sterilize Well, there's it. some good nematodes, but most of them aren't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a bad word. <laughs> All right. So on the line, on Root line one, nematodes. we have uh, somebody from Brandon. Okay. Hello. Welcome to the show. Hello, Brandon. <laughs> Hello. This is Leela from Brandon. Hello, Hi, Leela. Leela. What you got for us today? I like your show and uh just, uh, we do have compost at our um, cafe. We have put in the tofu cafe, and we've been doing that for the last 15 years. And we repurpose food. So we pick up uh, 7-Elevens. We pick up GFS. We help to feed over 500 people a week probably in our community. And we, uh, we repurpose containers, the plastics. 
which are rural and important. People don't understand wash, rinse, sterilize. You can use it um, plastic several times. So I wanted to briefly talk about that and um, the fact that, you know, it's doable. We need more not-for-profits doing that. And the other thing I want to just mention is I'm so relieved. There's other people that think like myself, and there's been uh, information about a lady in Tampa that's going before the city council uh, objecting to the trees being cut down around the Bayshore. Yeah, well, there's a law that the governor uh did that uh, changed all of that, that we have uh, no say over it in our city at all. It's all from the state now. Yeah, so the, the thing with it, though, is there was an article um, that you could pull up on Tampa Times, uh, Oak Tree Canopies in Tampa. Um, what Tampa year was that? That was just a week ago. Oh, okay. If you pull that article up and you want to get it out to your readers, um, there's also an article about Brandon. Oak Tree Park. Oh, it's they're so sad over there what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they've destroyed about a thousand trees three weeks ago at the corner of Mulrennan and 60. A lot of them grandfather oaks. Oh, they were gorgeous too, weren't they? I mean, it was like you go to Brandon and that was what the whole thing to me was, is that the massive amounts of large trees. Yeah, the oak tree canopies are being uh, slaughtered and, uh, you know, there should be a moratorium right now, especially with the heating up. Mm-hmm. and the reality that we don't have green spaces. I agree, but it's uh, it's totally up to the governor. Yep, but you know what? I'm going to keep fighting. I'm trying uh, to get Good for you, person. girl. The Sears, the Sears building at um, our Brandon uh, Westfield Mall, the mall has recently been sold. Most malls are going out of business across the country. Let's yeah. repurpose those large footprints, and um, they want to build a new library in Brandon. I'm suggesting that they do a satellite library and keep our existing library, which is nice and in a good location for our homeless and our young people and our arts program in Brandon. And it's in a commercial district. And I'm trying to save the corner of Lumsden and Parsons. That oak tree canopy is the last canopy in Brandon. Wow. In the center of Brandon. So, um, but anyway, I just want to what's, give you guys. What's, wait a minute. Minute. I want to stop you. What's the name of that organization that you said that you're doing all this work with? Uh, Portamento of Hope. So How do you spell that? P-O-R-T-A-M-E-N-T-O. Portamento. Okay. And you can pull us up online. I've been um, a not-for-profit for the last 15 years. We feed the homeless on Tuesday and Thursday nights. We helped Mills on Wills program. We did that all through COVID and kept 17 churches feeding the elderly in our community. Oh, you're wonderful. Yeah, I'm but, so happy you called in uh, and I want you to just keep doing what you're doing and, you know, keep doing what you're doing because <laughs> really, the, if we don't all bond together, everybody thinks that nobody makes a difference, right? Everybody says, well, what difference could I make? Well, we all make a difference and we're one drop of water, you know, one one drop of and rain in a yeah. whole container and we can, we can flood it. We really can if we continue yeah. to stick together yeah. like that. So, so I just wanted to mention is Blue Zones, if anybody can watch that. Yeah, it's great. Those are documentaries. And and look at Singapore. Everybody in uh, the Tampa Bay area needs to look at Singapore. Tell the planning commission we'll... You know, we'll give you guys a bonus trip. Go to Singapore and talk to the planners. Yeah. About how how, how nice it is that they think of the elderly as respected citizens that need to be. It's all, you know, why though? Because it's a government. uh, They have their own local government. They're, they're, uh, they're, they act as a state in their own uh, country. And so they have a smaller line of government because it's such a tiny place. Uh, But it's a wonderful show. 
yeah, 72 square miles there, but what a wonderful. Yeah, they're idea. doing beautiful work. Yeah. So, but anyway, we need to commend the people that are doing well, just like you did for me. And I, I yes. applaud you guys, and I applaud you giving the lectures. Uh, the, the, animal, the Animal Vegetable yes. Miracle on Barbara King Solver, one of my favorite books. Yeah. You know, there's another book she just published. You know what? We have says. other callers, so we're going to have to oh, let you go. But call. thank you so okay, much for calling so in. Much. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Leela. We appreciate it. And what I really liked is how she was talking about that the people good. and the profits in addition to the planet. Exactly. Because we it all have to be together. Circle. She was doing, she's doing good work. And she mentioned a blue zone. And have you seen that? Yeah. Yes. It's yeah. great. Do you want to say what a blue zone is? Well, it's the area. Uh, what happened is, is the, the man that started this, he started uh, uh, where he would notice that people were octogenarian, which people were 100 years right. old or close to that. Yeah. They would, he would drop a, red, uh, a blue dot where that would be uh, of ink. And then he started noticing that some areas were so many blue dots, it came into one whole zone. It just became one whole blob of blue. And so this, this show on, uh, on, what is it, Netflix or Hulu? I don't know. But Blue Zone, I watch them all, uh, you know, for all these types of shows. Uh, he is going to these places and talking to the people and seeing how that's working for them. Um, and a lot of it has to do with activity and, you know, not eating a lot of crazy food. They just do all their clean food. Yeah, so those Blue Zones are about centenarians. Centenarians. Which okay. means that you live over 100 years healthily. Yes. And uh, What's an octo? 80. 80. Oh, okay. But uh, what... Uh, Lila was mentioning was that there's like nine, she, she didn't uh, implicitly say it, but she, there's nine different steps right. in order to like stay up to a hundred and healthy. And one of them is not to discard the elderly. <laughs> you have well, to incorporate them. You have to give them a sense of purpose. You have to keep them in their families. You can't just send them off and, and have was, them live by themselves. That was one of the things that he was saying was like there was a, it was some myth or some story from some, you know, hundreds of years ago about that, that what they used to do is they would take their elderly, I don't know if this is true or not, but this is what was said. They take their elderly when they were about 70 my age <laughs> and take them to the edge of this and abandon them because, you know, they were too much trouble, right? And he decided he wasn't going to do that to his father and he kept him alive and kept it and he learned so much from his knowledge from being on this planet for that long, that uh, he was very uh, prosperous, you know? And so uh, that just tells you right there, you know, people have a lot to give, even if they're not, you know, as viable as they once were, but their, their brain knowledge is just phenomenal. And uh, something kind of related was that <laughs> somebody, a scientist found a, um, a homo naledia, uh, like an ancestor of Homo sapien. Oh, yes. That lived two million years ago, or maybe even longer. And they found an individual that was like 60 years old. They had no teeth. And they knew that they lived like 10 years with no teeth. Like the last 10 years, they didn't have any teeth. Oh, And understood. you know how they... Um, how that individual lived because they were eating like because raw. their people helped them. Yeah, but how did they help them? Well, they probably chewed the food up for them and gave it to them That's like exact, a baby bird. Exactly right. Well, you know that makes and sense. And Annie, if you get to that you're stage, you're going to chew my food up for me. No, I'm going to starve to talk death. Talk to Tanya. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We have blenders now. <laughs> <laughs> we have blenders and juicers. That's right. All right. So now we have uh, Mike, and he's calling, kind of from Sarasota. Hi, Mike. Hi, Mike. Hello, how are you today? Great. Great. What you got for us today? 
Um, a friend of mine does a lot of planting in his backyard and that sort of thing, and I've done extensive edible landscaping. Good for you. And I just wanted to ask you about what do you think about worm castings? He's very much into worm casting. Oh, yeah. That's on our list. And how you... And how you source worms, but the other thing is to say to anybody who's trying to put mulch, especially around a citrus tree, you will kill them in fast it's time. Real fast. Absolutely. Yeah. And and they need to be dry like this. Right. Florida climate works very well. So yeah, do not mulch your citrus trees, absolutely. And what you were saying about letting roots breathe is extremely important. Yeah. Um, People just in the citrus and oaks. You know, the oaks are really the ones I was mostly thinking about. But, you know, the um, the citrus, though, what they're saying is that if you put a little bit of the uh, oak leaf uh, on the base of the uh, of the citrus trees, uh, not thick now, but some, and then do a, a tea with the oak leaves, that the oils from that are helping as an antibiotic against the citrus greening. Well, that would be good. Cause that's it's long. true. I mean, it's it it works. The trees from greening, yeah. 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 Sadly, they're gone. Was there anything else that you, you wanted to yes. talk about? Mike wanted to know about uh, earthworm castings oh, and yeah. oh, what species. Oh yeah, we're gonna have somebody on. We're gonna have Albert Reisenberg on next month, and he is gonna talk about uh, the worm castings. And basically, uh, that was one of the things he was one of the people that I talked to, and he says is what he uses is uh, worm part. One part worm casting, so about three parts sifted homemade compost. And then, uh, but he said that that probably changes with different foods that the, that the worms eat. Uh, but the ones that I re- I looked up for recommendations, it said one part worm castings to four parts soil. And worm castings have uh, micronutrients containing iron, sulfur, magnesium, zinc, copper, and calcium. And they also provide micronutrients that have nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium. Now, I don't know where you would get them unless you're getting them from somebody that already has some and you could start your own little farm. Yeah, when I was a agriculture teacher, it was very easy. You buy like a pound of worms. And what, there's really... There's different types of worms. I'm, I was just going to say that. Well, okay, I'll just hold She gets on too horses. excited. I am excited. She's talked for 32 minutes. <laughs> and the show's been 32 minutes on air. Annie, there's okay. two types of earthworms commonly used in the vermiculture <laughs> business. <laughs> what types? Their common name is red wigglers. Uh-huh. Now, have you heard of a night crawler? Yes. Those aren't good. That's what I, <laughs> and that's why I brought that up because yeah. that's what I heard that, you know, they eat the other things, right? Yeah, well, they're just not going to the bathroom as much as the red wigglers and the red wigglers also are producing like 100 eggs every few days. Oh, I see. And that's how you're getting so Bigger many more production. worms. Okay. And uh, what? I think a pound of worms can eat like a pound of food scraps in a week. That's amazing. And when I was doing the school, we would have the kids go down to the cafeteria with five-gallon buckets, and we just kept multiplying the worm bins. That's fabulous. And, uh, you just make more and more bins? Yes. But uh, we're going to... So was so that f- what you needed to know? Or? <laughs> Mike? Michael? So how do you, how do you sur- source worms? And you can now buy a bag of worm castings, a pound or two of it. Oh, yeah. Even three pounds at Home Depot for a reasonable price. Oh. Well, I was saying you you can purchase the live worms for a pound, and then you can start your own uh, little... Worm farm. Yeah, little Rubbermaid... Uh, bin. Yeah, you can do like a baby pool, or you can do a bin or a bathtub. A lot of people use those old bathtubs. You can put them underneath your uh, kitchen sink. 
Because like if you have what? them outside in a, a kiddie pool, oh, the rain washes away the nutrients that oh. you want. So usually it's recommended that you have them like in a protected area. And if you're doing it right, it should smell like fresh earth. It shouldn't right. smell like food scraps. Right. So a lot of people Just recommend like having it like right. in the kitchen because when it's close by, you're going to utilize it. That's never going to be in my kitchen. If it's like out in the <laughs> backyard, you, you might not be willing to... I use, don't know. Use it. Well, we're going to find out from uh, Albert when he comes on. I think it's the 16th of October. Uh, so, he'll be on. He's an expert. So Mike in uh, about, yeah, a little bit more than a month, a whole show dedicated to you. Yep. All right. We have several more callers. And the next person we're going to take is in Clearwater. Hello. Welcome to Sustainable Living. Hi. 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 What's your name? Oh, this is Ramil. Perfect. Ramil. Hi, Ramil. What a lovely name. And what do you want to talk about? Um, Two quick questions. Uh, One is I had uh, gotten uh, sandbags in case we needed it for the storm. I didn't fill up many. And I saw on the news they were saying, you know, when you get rid of the sand, don't take it out to the beach. Uh, And I'm assuming you can just sprinkle it in the yard. Well, I don't know what they do to treat uh, play, this play sand, probably. Um, I don't know what they do to treat play sand. I would do a little research on that, uh, like just Google it, really, uh, and see if it's treated. But, you know, if you do uh, sprinkle things in the yard, uh, if you just take a shovel full of stuff and just splay it out, you're just going to get little grains everywhere. Yeah, if it's like low, in, low enough in concentration, I don't think it's going to hurt your yeah, lawn or your... So. But okay. And do you so, have another question? So, well, you said? sorry, because oh. we don't know if the sand used in sandbags is from the beach well, that's what or I mean. like a river. It, it so it might be treated and it, it could have salt. I was thinking the salt. Yeah. So I would yeah, do well, a little research were, online with that. They were saying, you know, definitely don't take it out to the beach no. and dump it. No, I wouldn't. Oh. Do, well, you don't want to. You don't want to cross. You know, contaminate because yeah. we don't right. know what it is. Once, so we don't want to. Once you had once you had started talking about the the topsoil bags, right. Then I got to thinking, well, you know, I know it's already got moisture in there, so I don't know if it's going to start getting weird if I keep it through the whole hurricane season. Well, the I, sand? I think a lot of people do that. They just keep their bags ready to go. Yeah. And also, we're only at, like, the peak hurricane season. Yeah, we got two more months. Gosh. I just yeah. got my camper, too. It's crazy. Keep them until November 1st, just yeah. for fun. Did you have another that's question? That's I think you said two, didn't yeah. you? Just, just a real quick one. Um, my house faces north and i have a little uh like a little garden bed uh on the north and the east side and Mm. it's all pretty open and right now i just have blanket flowers Mm -hmm. which the bees and the butterflies really like Mm -hmm. but i was thinking if i if i planted native uh bushes what would be uh an appropriate thing i have every time i I buy a new plant. I try to get it Florida native. Simpson stoppers are really good bushes. Simpson stoppers. And it also has a berry that the birds like. Well, all the animals like. That's a good one. What's it called? Simpson stopper. Simpson stopper. Uh Uh-huh. Mark that down. And they do make some dwarf um, and native uh, firebush. That's another one that uh, creatures love. Uh, Ramil, you were like specifically asking about like an east side though, or or sun. East, 
east and north. That's not sun. That's soft. Open. Yeah, that's soft sun. So, you know, I wouldn't get, uh, I just buy one and see how it does. You know, don't go and buy five or something. Just check oh, okay. it, test it, and that see how it works. Idea. Yeah. I have American Beauty Berry that's in a oh, lot that's of shade. A good idea. And yeah. it's like, I have never trimmed it, and it's about 15 feet tall. And <laughs> we got. You can trim it, though. <laughs> you, you can trim it, but it's I mean, pretty. It's so impressive. Yeah, I bet it is. I've and never seen one that big. It's filled with little songbirds, squirrels. Oh, that's so sweet. Everybody's eating it. Yeah. And, you know, like when you walk by, there's 15 animals in it eating it. But and they're getting the tree, all along. But the tree is so prolific, you don't even notice that there's berries missing. They because still it have. Still has so much. Yeah. Wow, that's and wonderful. And it would be all right to put something like that close to the house. Oh sure, why not? I mean, what are, you mean because of the size? You can yeah. keep cutting it down. Their trunks oh, okay. or their stems are only like an inch. Yeah, but they have lots of branches, so right. you could you can manage it. Yeah, most people okay. cut theirs back, but Kenny just has a large property. All right, well, thank you, uh, for calling. Ramil. And now we're going to take Tom in St. Pete. Hello, Tom. Hey, Tom. Hey. A uh, couple comments and questions. I'll be brief. Okay. Um, number one, I want to grow California brown snails. Uh, here's their, uh, Can you take a, yourself off speakerphone? Because uh, we can't really hear you. Oh, no. Yes. Um, uh, well, I'm, I'm changing it right now. Okay. Um, is that any better? Much better. All right. You want to grow what? California brown snails. What snails? About what about them? Well, I'm, I'm bound to determine. I hear that they're good for you and uh, easy to grow. Uh, but uh, wow. uh, my, my other comment is uh, uh, I'll bounce it off of the, uh, the person who called earlier. Um, we all make a difference. The question is, are you going to make a good difference or a bad difference? Yeah, that's right. Imagine if we all made a good that's difference. That's right. That's different right. world. Uh, last comment is uh, of my 200 plus podcast, Mother Earth News is the cutest podcast I've ever heard. Oh, that's Kenny. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so cool that yeah, you listen I, to I that. Like the, uh, the 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 ducklings and the goslings. that just came out. Thank He's you. listening yeah. on a regular. <laughs> it sounds like that's great. Every episode is is just so much fun. Oh, uh, you're adorable! Have, uh, Thank zero you. Interest in it? Uh, it's it's interesting. Uh, I, my, I want to throw question. something out there about those snails. I would do a an incredible amount of research because that is not a Florida native. And if you bring in, if you introduce something in that could turn in to be a problem, you could create a really big deal problem. Even if it made an accidental. Law, you know, something escapes. That's how it starts. So I would do an incredible amount of research before I would well, bring in, introduce anything like that. And that's why I mentioned it because I would love to hear what the Florida alternative is. Uh, I just hear that they're the, uh, the uh, a very good productive one. Okay. Um, uh, my my question though uh, is, um, I am uh, relatively certain that I have nematodes on a, a, a little patch of uh, my yard. Sure, you do. Uh, we all do. You know, <laughs> uh, with my uh, eggplants and um, and uh, and some of the other. Uh, so, um, number one, how do you know if you have nematodes? And number two. How do you treat them? Not a root, not nematodes. And when you pull the plant up, you'll see these little balls all over the uh, uh, knotted up little things all over the roots. And the, one of the biggest things that you can do is to rotate your crops. Uh, rotating your crops is a really uh, appropriate. You should never put the same nightshade plants in the same area every year, ever. 
you know, and nightshades include tomatoes, uh, eggplant, uh, are peppers included in that? Peppers in that. And so you would never want to put any one of those three in the same area. You need to rotate your crops, and that's that'll help a lot. Crab meal helps uh, reduce it. Also, uh, uh, sun hemp, they say, to put that in and let it be the cover crop for the, uh, the summer and then pull that out. Don't turn it under, and that pulls out a lot of that. So those are the only things I know. Are there some things you know, Kenny? Well, uh, so I'm so happy that you listened to the Mother Earth News yes. podcast. And listeners yeah, can go to I Mother... I that this is a, most, mostly a grass yard. Okay, so um, I like what Annie was suggesting, though, like incorporating like the crab, crab meal, meal or different cover crops. So like one type... So cover crops, you could just kind of broadcast across your lawn, have them grow up a little bit, and, and then out. depending on what the cover crop is... You can mow them in, or you could just cut them and leave their roots in. Even with the nematodes in the roots? Yeah, because, like, I heard that... They would hold it. Uh, marigolds, when they're growing, like, with your uh, nightshade family, right. they're not nearly as effective unless you, like, bury the whole plant right. after I the season. I heard about that, too, that you turn them under. Uh, uh, There's some other plants that you do that with as well. And another thing that nematodes don't like is when the soil's disturbed. So that's why... They're often found in like a vegetable bed where you have like those nightshades growing for like four months, six months at a time and you're not touching the soil or in lawns where the soil's never disturbed, right. like underneath. Right. So, so if I've got a, a, a grass lawn and there's a patch that's got like nothing growing on it. Dig it uh, out because we don't want grass. <laughs> well, I don't irrigate. I don't irrigate. It's a bahia grass. It's a, it's bahia, a, a yeah. local grass. Uh, but, uh, you know, if, if I've got a dead patch in there, it's got nothing growing, is it probably nematodes or is it... I don't know. It could be anything. There, it, it could be anything. It could be well, fungus. It could be chinch bugs. It could be whatever. You know, you could have grubs underneath that area that are eating the roots. I mean, it could be anything. But you could cut that part out and make a, a flower bed there. That's actually... Good. You're reading my mind there. Okay. You can also submit a free soil sample to your extension office, whatever county you live in, and they can definitely tell you what They'll tell you the soil, but I don't know if they tell you the pest. They they? can, yeah. Okay. So I guess you specifically ask for that. Yeah, anytime. You know what? I want to make sure that we get on this thing before we go any further. I want to talk about contaminated soil real quickly. Is that Okay. (laughs) A little bit, okay. So we had Linda Alcorn, who is a wonderful gardener in, I think, Lake, Lake, Lakeland. Uh, she got contaminated soil two years ago, uh, and it was contaminated with Grazon. So, so, so she ordered, like, a truckload of soil? Right. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, a truckload of soil. She put it in this bed, in this vegetable area that she was going to, she has everything. But she, this is her vegetable bed, and uh, everything died. And what happens is Grazon, uh, and there's a whole bunch of other ones out, uh, it's... Uh, let's see, there's a, there's a lot more, but Grayson is the one that we're most familiar with. Uh, and of course, it's done by Dow. Dow does a lot of these. And what it is, it's a persistent herbicide. And what that means is, is that it goes through the animals that eat it, the, and that it, it still is an active herbicide in their manure. So if manures are used uh, in that, or even uh, hay uh, that has been treated, which is where the animals are getting it from, is from the, the hay that's been treated uh, and long grass, they... Um, it contaminates it for, it kills everything for up to seven years. Uh, 
Two years is the minimum that you could uh, maybe get something out of that. So what are the one things that I, I did a just deep dive on this because I do know about it and it's a terrible situation, but you can do to, to fix that, you can put in a hyper accumulator. You can throw ryegrass, corn, or wheat in there and you can let it complete its growth, cut it out, remove all the roots in the soil and burn it if possible. But uh, treat it as uh, an active poison, you know, uh, so do that. And the other thing is too, is the, the way to test that is always before you put that soil into the bed, do a test with beans. Beans are the ones that respond really quickly and you can tell real, right away. You just get a bag of beans from the store, stick a bean, uh, seed in there, let it germinate. It, it will probably germinate and it will probably grow, but it'll die real fast if it's, if it's, uh, polluted with the, uh, with the grazon or the derivatives of grazon. So always test your soil with a bean plant before you put it into your beds. Otherwise, you have no, uh, there's no alternative. You're stuck. All right. That's my my say. Thanks, Linda, for bringing that up. All right. So, Annie, we got a couple of uh, phone calls and a couple of emails, but I'll read the email first. Okay. So Joe in Dover says, when you mentioned uh, sun hump, I looked it up and I just figured out that's what they're covering the local agriculture fields with. Yeah. And I just want to... Remind listeners that sun hemp is spelled S-U-N-N, hemp. And there's a couple of different uh, species, and only one of them is really good for a cover crop. The other species are invasive. So make sure you get the right they're one. Uh, yeah restricted in many states. I, Florida is a free for all, but make sure you get the, <laughs> make sure you get the right one in the state of Florida. And they do get really really tall, but you don't have to let them grow that tall. You can cut them uh, in mid growth. You can just keep them yeah. cut down and just let the roots do the work for you. And in Mother Earth News Magazine, there will be an article coming out this spring about cover crops. Did you write and, it? Yes, I did. And uh, I interviewed somebody who, uh, like a huge farm in uh, Georgia, and they were saying you have two options for the sun hemp specifically. You can do what's known as cut and carry, where you cut it mid-growth, mm-hmm. right. and you carry it away to your compost bin. You can take the top part? Yeah. Okay. And then you could just add it to like your browns in your compost. But the all... The alternative is that you would just... Browns? Wait a minute. You say browns? It's got to be greens. Well, you can like dry them up. Oh, okay. Dry it before. Yeah. Okay. And then the other option is you just mow it yeah. into that's the... A, yeah, yeah, that's a good the, idea. All right. Thank easier. you, uh, patient uh, callers. We have Nano from St. Pete. Hello. Hi, Nano. Hi. How are you guys doing? Good. What do you uh, want to talk about today? Uh, I wanted to talk about uh, cover crops because that was really interesting. I'm an environmental journalist, and I don't know if you're aware of the uh, online magazine Civil Eats. Civil Eats? Okay. It's been around for about 15 years. It's highly, highly respected. I see a lot of uh, repros, but I also wrote Garden's column for the St. Pete Times for a number of oh, years. Oh, very good. But anyway, I did a story for Civil Eats on HLB, which is the citrus greening. And yes. cover crops are one of the things that they have found actually helps rather than using antibiotics. Mm-hmm. Um, I talked to a farmer named Ed James, and he actually found started using the cover crops because the citrus greening was so bad in his grove that he just started overturning his trees and looking right. to something else. And there was one area he didn't get to for a while. He did part of it, and he didn't, it left this one area go. 
And he went back and looked at it, and the trees were actually sprouting and and just growing and seemed quite healthy. What was the cover crop he used? What? What was the cover crop he used specifically? You know, it was sun hemp was one of them. Okay. And I think clover and... I, ha- I I wrote the article about three years ago, and yeah. I can't remember right now. I'd have to call it up. But you can find it online, Civil Eat. Um, look up HLB. But what they found was that the psyllid that is, uh, causes it uh, sucks all the sap out. It eats into the tree leaves and sucks out all the sap. And when they strengthen the roots, he found, and Ben McLean, who is also a, a fourth-generation uh citrus farmer here in Florida up by Claremont, um, they found out that uh, the same thing happened. The trees started getting very, very healthy, and they didn't need to do much else to it. However, I talked to Juanita Popino, who is the head of citrus for, uh, you know, Gainesville and the Florida IFAS, um, but she said that they're not allowed to actually recommend that yet because it hasn't been studied enough. Oh. So they're still recommending antibiotics. Oh, that's other too bad. Measures. And, of course, the bigger growers don't want to have to mess with cover crops. You know, like interesting. I talked to uh, at the uh, Rare Fruit Council. We had a person there that was talking about the citrus and all the testing that they were doing. And they were doing it all in, you know, very enclosed areas and stuff. And I asked her about the oak oils, and she didn't know anything about it. And that was really shocked me because that was one of the first things that I heard was uh, that the trees around uh, under the oaks and connected to the roots of the oaks were doing well. Uh, and they then discovered that the oak oils in the oak trees were helping it uh, tremendously. And I know, and I had a tangerine tree. I just actually sold it. But what happened was uh, it was not doing great to begin with. And I started doing the oak leaf tea. And then what happened was some star mushrooms grew in the base of it. And after the star mushrooms grew in, uh, I had no problems at all. I know. I am just so fascinated by fungi and what it's they're actually amazing, doing. isn't they it? They want to start a new uh, a new family, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They want to have you know animals, minerals, plants, and and fungi. Yeah, because fungi is kind of in between all those things, right? Well, they say that they think it's a separate kingdom yes. all by itself. It is. I yeah. agree with that. And uh, I mean, they, if we, I, it's like the world communicator. Everything yes communicates underground yeah absolutely the mycelium the mycelium is all there is isn't it all right thank you thank you so much for calling that was a great call thank you very much for calling and now we have david in tampa hi david hey david hello hey hey guys i love your show i'm a florida native i've owned a lot of land in pasco county i've had several Several, several different years of great success in the 60s and 70s with citrus, and then the freeze wiped us out, and then the greening came and pushed all the grows out. We put in another crop. But the biggest problem I have with the state of Florida is it's, uh, there's, there's too many people moving here, and it's, it's, it's totally getting ruined. Yeah, it's a lot. I mean, there's six. if you look at Pasco County right now and see what's going on in San Antonio around San Antonio, Dade City area, it'll blow your mind. All the groves are being pushed out, and then nothing but new homes are going in. 
and it's it's unbelievable. It is. Yes, it is. So it's, um, really, it's really sad. It is to me too. Uh, it's like there's just not enough green space to handle all of the output of the toxins that all the people are bringing in with all the new homes and just you know all the cars and those roads and so on and so on. There's just not enough wild space. I know. I don't. I don't know what's. Uh, I don't know what to be. I don't know what's left to be done. I don't. I mean, you can't tell. I I own a very very large piece of land. Right. And we we're trying to hang on to it. And there's subdivisions going up everywhere. Right. But when a developer comes to you and says, "We're going to offer you millions of dollars," yeah, you're going to take that money. I know. That's what's happened. Uh, I've noticed that all the groves when they were having all the problems because it's a lot of struggle, you know, to have. They had the citrus groves for generations, right? And then, then all these things happen. Like you said, you have the, the freeze, the greening, and then they just kind of beat you down. Then they come in and offer you all this money. You go, you know, I'm tired. I'm just going to give it up. Yeah, exactly. It's really sad. And, and, and what they're putting in here is low-rent housing. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Badly in made. apartment. Yeah. Well, thank so, you, uh, David, for giving a call. And I watched. We almost out of time. I listened to. Uh, no, I didn't. I watched a little documentary about the Florida Panther. Yeah. And they were also mentioning that there's like a lot of cattle people in South Florida. And they were speaking on that topic exactly. They were like, oh, they want to build an interstate right through all this cattle pasture. And the farmers were actually like pro Florida Panther. And they like. Uh, you know, respected the panther, and they That's said... That's interesting, because cattle men usually don't. Yeah, right? and they were saying, well, at least those, the people in the documentary, and yeah. they were saying that they can make, you know, X amount of dollars per acre with their cows. But then the developer said, oh, we'll give you seven times that, 10 Why? times that. But because they're fifth generation cow people, they're like, no, we're going to stick, stick to our guns. Yeah. yeah. You know what? I, I, I want to talk about one thing. I don't know what you want to talk about, but I definitely want to touch, <laughs> I want to touch on um, the mycelium. Okay. So uh, it's really important for us to keep that, uh, the microbes underneath the ground and all the mycelium, which is the fungi under the ground, which is what moves all the nutrients and the water and everything. It has a symbiotic relationship with all the roots of all the plants and all the trees. So when that particular tree or that particular plant needs phosphorus, it tells the, the little roots tickle it and it says, okay, I need that. And it delivers it to it. And so, and then the, in turn, they have, it gives something back to it. So, you know, when you see those uh, those white lines of fungi underneath your mulch and stuff, that's not bad. That's a good thing. That's uh, that's it breaking down the uh, the fibers of the wood, and it's, uh, you know, going to continue to help the growth underneath. So, uh, you know, just feed that, feed that particular thing, and don't disrupt it all the time, because when you start digging deep all the time, you disrupt it. And the one thing about keeping your weeds down and also keeping um, a lot of the problem areas is, is if you just scratch the surface and it doesn't make a good contact for the seeds to grow. And also the other thing about weeds is cut them before they seed or pull them before they seed. That's it. Okay. All right. So uh, crop plants, the stuff that we eat, they take away a lot of nutrients while cover crops can replenish them. Yes. And we talked about sun hemp and uh, a caller mentioned clover. There's two different types of clovers. The red clovers usually... Uh, feed more pollinators than the green clovers. And when we talk about a cover crop, let's say you're growing 
your tomatoes and your eggplants, and then you want to like give that land a little bit of a rest, mm-hmm. we recommend just broadcasting these cover crops. Other cover crops that are good for Florida include alfalfa, cereals, clovers, cow peas, daikon radishes, sun hemp, millet, vetch, and Australian winter peas. And then the best part of some of those cover crops, you can eat them or you could feed yeah, them radish. to your livestock. And um, I think Joe and Dover was mentioning like, oh, I didn't know you guys were talking about fields. But you can easily, if you have a raised bed, you can throw a cover crop oh, in yeah, there totally. as well. Uh, Kitty Wallace did that with all of her people in the summer. Because I don't know if you guys, a lot of people that come here and they try to grow stuff in the summer because they think that's when you grow stuff. It isn't. Not in not in Florida. It's the worst time. It's a suffering time. Everything's stressing out. So it's our better time is from the fall to the spring. Well, spring's always good for everything. But summertime, that's when you put your cover crop on. Let it rest, like Kenny said. And it's also going to give more nutrients into, into back into the soil. All right, so this Thursday I'll be at the Tampa Audubon Society giving a presentation, uh, a little bit about like the history of people who helped save uh, the wild parts that we still have in Florida. And one of those people is the super famous Marjorie Stoneman Douglas. Oh, my gosh. And she was able to help save the Everglades, and she's quoted as saying, it is a woman's business to be interested in the environment. It's an extended form of housekeeping. (laughs) And we all kind of need to be housekeepers. Of our planet. Yeah. yeah. And uh, we also want to remind you that Living Roots Eco Design and Plant Nursery has their grand opening at their new location this Saturday, September 9th, from 11 to 1. Their address is 3645 45th Avenue North in St. Pete. And both of those events are on our Facebook page, Sustainable Living WMNF. We're going to have to have another show on Pete because we <laughs> didn't even touch on that. That was one of the things we wanted to talk about. And uh, next week, our show is going to be a listener-recommended show. Somebody uh, emailed me, and they wanted to highlight this uh, sustainable business, and that's exactly what we're going to do. If you enjoyed this show and our weekly content, please go to WMNF.org, donating through the tip jar and directing your donation to the Sustainable Living Show. Stay tuned. In the next hour, you will hear WMNF's Community Speaks with Mabili. Make sure to tune in next Monday morning at 11 for the next Sustainable Living Show. We will be talking with Lot 29 Store. They're in Seminole, and it's a women-owned uh, business, and they're all about repurposing, reusing, and recycling yes. uh, things. Follow our Facebook page, Sustainable Living WMNF, to stay in the loop. And you can also listen to our past shows. Just go to Listen On Demand on WMNF.org. I am Kenny Coogan. And I'm Annie Ellis. Remember, if you're looking for someone to save the world, look in the mirror. Bye-bye. This is WMNF Tampa.